Hey church, we just heard an incredible message that we believe is for you. So get ready to be encouraged, to be strengthened. This will change your life. We love you so much. Good morning. Excuse me. They told me that this is the most alive service of the day. So could you please all stand back to your feet? (laughs) You're sitting down already. Tell your neighbor, don't sit down until the preacher says so. Tell your neighbor. (laughs) You guys are awesome in Dallas. Look at you. You're so obedient. You're full of life. Listen, I just want to say hi. Um, I'm Lucinda and I'm married to a man. (laughs) He's called Phil. (laughs) Phil Dooley. Phil Dooley. Everybody say Dooley. Yes, he's a character. His name says it all. I have three beautiful children. Abby Grace, who's actually traveling with me. Give a wave, Abs. That's my 19-year-old daughter. I also have a 16-year-old daughter and I also have a 14-year-old son. His name is Zachariah Joseph Philip Dooley. I could not decide what to call him, so I went with all of the names. And he's awesome and I have a dog called Spencer. And um, so we, uh, we moved to Africa 10 years ago to pioneer Hillsong Church in South Africa. Absolutely been the most awesome adventure. Um, God has been very faithful. Every single week since we started church, um, people have responded to the Lord Jesus. So um, I think that's worth getting excited about. That's amazing. Um, And, you know, we're just doing what these guys are doing. We moved there 10 years ago, much like these guys did seven years ago um, to pioneer. We moved with our family. That was it. That was our team. And over the course of time, God has, God has brought the right people together. And um, it's been absolutely, uh, I think, miraculous what he has done. And so I look at this church and I have just recently getting to know your pastors, Pastor Earl and Anika. And I am absolutely, they're my new best friends. Is that okay? Can I be your new best friend? And you're not just saying it. So when I text you, you respond. <laughs> Absolutely. I'm so, they said it's an honor to have me, but I'm hugely honored to be here. And I want to thank you so much for trusting me with your church. And I want to say I've absolutely loved getting to know you. I loved Cultivate Conference. I'm loving your church. And you know what? um, You know, when you meet people and you like spirited, uh, that's how I feel with these guys. And we're on the same page. And I've already been so inspired. I'm going home, home more refreshed than when I arrived. And I feel like they're not just great church builders. They're not just pioneers. They're great people. And, you know, I think that's, that's the main thing. And they love everybody. Look at the love they have for everyone. And um, so hugely, hugely thank you for allowing me to be here today. And um, can we give it up for your pastors? Really, really love them. Okay, are you ready for the word? Are you sure? In the balcony, are you ready for the word? Okay, why don't we do this? Why don't you lift your hands to heaven? Even if you've never done that before, just lift up your hands. And why don't we say this? Dear Lord Jesus, in the next few moments, I open up my heart. I ask you to speak to me. Change me. Challenge me. Let me walk out of here different to how I came in. Do everything you want to do today in my heart. In Jesus' name. Amen. (laughs) Amen. You can high-five your neighbor and take your seats. Well, this morning, church, um, my message got inspired at the beginning of this year. And I was in a meeting. Uh, We were actually running the meeting. 
And in the, in the meeting at the beginning of the year, um, somebody walked into the room. And when they walked into the room, something in my heart went like, like just, you know that feeling. And as I looked at them, I, they came in. The minute they came in, something in my heart went. Then they took a seat. Then they started to talk. And I realised I was looking at them and I actually didn't like them. Has that ever happened to anyone in the room? You're way too spiritual in Dallas, I get that. Way more spiritual than me. But this is what happened. And I felt like that still small voice on the inside of me. And I felt like it it said, Lucinda, you've got resentment in your heart toward them. And I'm like, no, I don't have resentment. And then I, as I looked at them, and I was, I was literally looking them like, at them like this. But in my heart, something was happening. And I knew that God was saying, you need to remove that resentment. And so this morning, church, I've called my message, Removing Resentment. <laughs> because I, since that happened to me, I've been on a journey in 2018 to remove any kind of resentment that might linger there. How do you know if you've got a little resentment? Well, if a name gets mentioned, something in your heart goes, and you know, okay, why am I doing that? There's something in here. And I want to encourage our church. I'm calling you my church. (laughs) See, I'm family. I want to encourage our church today. (laughs) That's what I'd say to my church. I want to encourage us to... Be, be aware, be self-aware enough that you would know what's going on in here. So if a name does get mentioned and something in your heart does go, look, that you have the courage to look at that and not just push it down and ignore it, but to face it head on. Because imagine if every single one of us in this room could remove any blockage in our hearts or in our lives today. Imagine what God could do with us. So I'm on the, I've been on the mission in 2018 to remove resentment. So I figure if I'm on the journey, I'm going to take all of you on the journey with me. Is that okay? What I have learned is if you don't remove resentment, it actually renders us unfruitful. And God has not called us to be unfruitful. In fact, I would like to prophesy over Shoreline City Church that its greatest days are ahead, that you are going to build a church to build a nation, that you are going to take territory, that you're going to be catalyst creators, territory takers, and revival makers. And I believe you're going to launch locations, you're going to raise up leaders, you're going to pastor a city and a nation. And I believe what God is going to do in you is the very, very best days are yet to come. But that will never happen if you allow things to linger. You must face things head on. So my mission this year has been removing resentment. If you don't remove resentment, it renders you unfruitful. So what is resentment? There's a doctor, um, his name's Dr. Jeremiah, and he actually says an incredible quote. Um, And this is what he says. He deals a lot with the human heart. He says this, resentment is an evil root that grows daily waiting for an opportunity to bring forth its fruit. Then if you think about resentment, did a little bit of research, what it actually is, it has a lot of different angles attached to it. I'm going to put up a screen. This is what resentment is, a bitter indignation at having been treated unfairly. It is actually um, an irritation or a displeasure or a dissatisfaction or a discontent 
or a bad feeling, an animosity, a hostility, a hatred, an envy, a jealousy, a jealousy, a jealousy. (laughs) I don't know why I felt to emphasize that one. A malice, a grudge, an ill feeling or an ill will. It's a pretty profound thing. See, resentment starts here. So today I'm talking about resentment. If you don't deal with resentment, what happens is it turns to unforgiveness. If you don't remove unforgiveness, what happens is it becomes bitterness. If you don't remove bitterness, it actually turns into hatred. If you don't remove hatred, it destroys everything. So imagine, church, if we could nip it in the bud back here and we could remove resentment before it becomes unforgiveness, before it becomes unbitterness, before it becomes hatred, before it destroys everything. That would be amazing. That's what God tweaked my heart. He said, listen, you've got to sort out this resentment now before it becomes unforgiveness, before it becomes bitterness. Now, maybe you're here this morning and you're like, man, I'm down the track. I'm up to hatred. (laughs) I'm about to destroy everything. Do you know, it doesn't matter where you find yourself on this journey today. It's not too late. It's not too late to deal with whatever it is, whether it's resentment, unforgiveness, bitterness today. You might have a bitter root. Do you know, whatever it might be, it's not too late for you to address it and look at it and have the courage to pull it out today and God to do something supernatural. If you believe it, say amen. So I want to show you four people in the Bible who actually had to um, face resentment and what happened to them. Very, very interesting. The first people I want to talk to you about is two brothers. Their names are Cain and Abel. Now, notice that they're brothers. This is the first homicide in the Bible, first murder in the Bible. So we're going to pick the story up in Genesis chapter um, 4. Let me read you this. Genesis chapter 4. Are you okay? Are you happy? Do you like who you're sitting next to? Good. (laughs) Okay, Genesis chapter 4. It says this, Adam, Adam made love to his wife Eve. I thought that was a good place to, to start on a Sunday morning. In church, it's very spiritual. Adam made love to his wife Eve and she became pregnant and she gave birth to Cain. And she said, with the help of the Lord, I have brought forth a man. Later she gave birth to his brother Abel. Now Abel kept the flocks and Cain worked the soil. Over the course of time, Cain brought some of the fruit, Cain brought some of the fruit of the soil as an offering to the Lord. But Abel also brought an offering. He brought the fat portions of some of the firstborn of his flock. The Lord looked with favor on Abel and his offering, but on Cain and his offering, he did not look with favor. And so Cain was very angry and his face was downcast. So resentment always has three emotions attached. It always has disappointment, it always has anger, and it always has fear. So now we're reading Cain um, was very angry and his face was downcast. So immediately something crept into his heart. And then it said, then the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? Why is your face downcast? If you do what is right, this is God speaking, if you do what is right, um, will you not be accepted? But if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at the door and it desires to have you and you must rule over it. 
Now Cain said to his brother, let's go out to the field. While they're in the field, Cain attacked his brother Abel and killed him. Now this is incredible, church, because God was saying to Cain, Cain, if you do what was right, I'm going to absolutely bless you. So God, God's intention was blessing. God's intention was overflow. But Cain somehow got resentment and looked upon his brother with jealousy, looked upon his brother with anger, and looked upon his brother with resentment, and therefore he cut off what God was trying to do because resentment will always render you unfruitful. And so now he takes his brother out to the field and he kills him. Never need it to happen because just as God blessed Abel, God wanted to bless him. And then it goes on and it says this, devastating scripture. It says, um, and then the Lord said to Cain, where's your brother Abel? I don't know, he replied. Am I my brother's keeper? And then the Lord said, what have you done? He said, listen, your brother's blood cries out from the ground. Now you're under a curse. So now he's put himself under a curse. And now you're driven from the ground, which opened up its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. When you work the ground, it will no longer yield its crop. So now, now what he's done, because he didn't remove the resentment, he's rendered his life unfruitful. So no longer is he able to bear fruit. You will become a restless wanderer on the earth. So now he's cut off from the presence of God. He's no longer unfruitful and he's no longer stepping into exactly what God had for him. Absolutely devastating because he didn't remove the stuff that was going on in his heart. Two brothers. Okay, the next couple I want to tell you about, their names are three people, Miriam, Aaron, and Moses. Miriam, Aaron, and Moses, they're in the Bible. Now, they're brothers and sisters as well. Interesting that they're all related and close, isn't it? So Miriam, Aaron, and Moses, let's have a look at this story. It is in Numbers chapter 12. Have a look at what happens here. While they were in Hezroth, Miriam... And Aaron, what did they do? Oh, they began to talk again. So in my version, it says that they criticized Moses because he had married a Cushite woman. So now brother and sister are criticizing their brother for who he's marrying. Anybody heard any of that in their family? Why are they marrying him? Oh, my gosh. Did you see who they're marrying? Can you believe that? Someone step in and help. (laughs) So now they're criticizing him for who he's marrying. But then they said, has the Lord spoken only through Moses? Get this. Hasn't he spoken through us too? So now my question is, were Aaron and Miriam angry because of who their brother was marrying? Or were Aaron and Miriam angry because Moses was in authority and had a greater role of leadership over their life? I don't know. The Bible's not clear on it. But either way, what they did is they criticized him. And I want to encourage us today, be very careful of the words that come out of your mouth. Be very careful. They're criticizing not just their brother, but they're criticizing their leader. And so it goes on and it says this really profound line. It says, now Moses, um, it says, they, they said, has the Lord spoken through Moses? Hasn't the Lord spoken through us too? But the Lord heard them. Okay, that's crazy. So the Lord heard what they were saying. So don't be um, deluded, and I'm speaking to myself, to thinking that what you speak, nobody hears because God hears it. 
and he holds us accountable for every word. And if we can get this right in the church, I believe we can change the earth for the glory of God. Because if we can control our tongue and not pull down and slander and destroy and criticize, then God can do something awesome. Because he says, how will they know that we are his disciples? And not by the criticism we have for one another, not by the slander that we have for one another, but by the love that we have one for another. So then he's, so he, they're criticizing, but then get this, it goes on, we'll read on in verse 9, and it says, the Lord was very angry with them, and he, did, he departed. As the cloud moved from the tabernacle, there stood Miriam, and her skin was white as snow with leprosy. So now she ends up with leprosy. And then it says, and when Aaron saw what had happened to her, he cried out to Moses, oh, my master, please don't punish us for our sin. So now she ends up outside, rendered un, unfruitful, ends up with leprosy. But then in verse 15, could, have you got verse 15? If we could have a look at it, it's absolutely awesome. Look at this. Don't, her, don't let her be like a stillborn baby, already decayed at birth. Okay, hectic. So Moses cried out to the Lord, oh, God, please heal her. Please heal my sister. He says, but the Lord said to Moses, if her father had done nothing more than spit in her face, wouldn't she be defiled for seven days? So keep her outside the camp for seven days after she has been accepted or healed. Um, Miriam was kept outside the tent for seven days. Then the people waited until she was brought back healed and then they could travel again. So they are on their way to the promise, but because they criticised... And because they spoke bad, their, pro- their journey to the promise got stunted. And then God said, you cannot move on until Miriam is healed and whole from her leprosy. And I wonder, church, if our resentment is not stopping us from walking into the promise of everything that Jesus has got for us. They couldn't travel again for another seven days. So don't. Don't think that your words and what you're saying and what's going on in here is not going to be not going to catch up on you. Determine to look at it because it might just stop you from pressing into what God has for you. Then we've got another couple I want to tell you about. Their names was David and Mikhail. They were married. They're a married couple. Any married couples in the room? Wow, not many. Anybody knows that if you've been married more than 24 hours, you've got an opportunity (laughs) to develop resentment in your heart. So this married couple had an opportunity to develop resentment. Let's pick the story up in 2 Samuel. It says this, King David, when David returned home from his household, Michal, the daughter of Saul, um, came out to meet him. I'll read from verse 20. When David returned from his household, Michal, the daughter of Saul, came out to meet him. And she said this. um, Oh, no, verse 16. Sorry, I'm reading it wrong. When David returned... Here we go. (laughs) Back up. As the ark of the Lord... That is what I meant to read. As the ark of the Lord was entering the city of David, Michal, daughter of Saul... Watched from a window, and when she saw King David leaping and dancing before the Lord, she yelled out, she what? She despised him in her heart. Crazy. 
And they brought the ark of the Lord and they set it in the place inside the tent and David had pitched for her. David sacrificed burnt offerings, fellowship offerings before the Lord. After he had finished sacrificing the burnt offerings, fellowship offerings, he blessed the people in the name of the Lord Almighty. Then he gave the loaf of bread and the cake and the dates and the cake and the raisins to each person in the whole crowd of Israelites, both men, women and all the people who went into their homes. Next. <laughs> when David returned home to bless his household, Michal, his wife, the daughter of Saul, came out to meet him and she said, how the king of Israel distinguished himself today, she says about her husband. Look at you. He goes, going around half naked in full view of all the slave girls, of the servants, as vulgar a fellow would. And David said to Michal, it was before the Lord who chose me. <laughs> so dig into a dig. Rather than your father... Um, it was before the Lord he chose me rather than your father or anyone from this house when he appointed me ruler over the people of Israel. I will celebrate before the Lord and I will become even more undignified than this and I will be humiliated in my own eyes. But even these slave girls who you spoke of, I will be held in honour, another dig. And Michal, the daughter of Saul, had no children to the day of her death. Now this is amazing because um, Michal held resentment and she looked upon her husband and she despised him in her heart. But church, maybe, maybe, just maybe, she had every right to be resentful because she married David. David fought for her when he killed Goliath. They said, if you kill Goliath, you're going to get Michal. So he's like, man, now I'm on a winner. This is awesome. So he kills Goliath and then he gets given Michal as his wife and he loved her. He fought for her. He was a man of war. But then once he got Mikhail, what happened is he went off to war. As he went off to war, he gathered all these other women, you know, all the women into his world. So imagine Mikhail back home waiting for her husband to return. She's probably developing resentment in her heart. And then he's gathering all these other women. And then he comes back and then he calls for her. And he goes, come on, where's Mikhail? She's off with some other man and now she has to come running to him. And then she watches him come and all these slave girls and everybody honouring him. Maybe, just maybe, she had every right to be resentful. And maybe, just maybe this morning, church, whatever could have happened to you, maybe, just maybe, you've actually got every right to be resentful. But do you know, look at what happened to her at the end of her days. It said she was barren because of what she harboured. She ended up barren for the rest of her life. The only person that suffers if you hang on to resentment, it is us. If I hang on to resentment, the only person is, who suffers isn't the person I'm resenting, it's me. Because we all have given, been given control over our, all sta our own state of our heart. And so Mikkel ends, up resent, Mikkel, Mikkel ends up barren for the rest of her life. She renders her life unfruitful. The final person I want to talk to you about is a lady called Herodias. And I want to show you something about Herodias and her daughter. Now, Herodias was married to King Herod. He was a king. And I want to pick the story up for us in verse um, Mark chapter 6. It says, For Herod himself had given orders to have John the Baptist, okay, we know him, arrested. And he had him bound and put in prison. He did this because of Herodias. Everybody say Herodias. His brother Philip's wife, whom he married. His brother Philip's wife. So he married, King Herod married 
his sister-in-law. Bad move. (laughs) Don't marry your sister-in-law. Just find somebody else. (laughs) He did this because Herodias, Herodias, his brother Philip's wife, whom he married. For John, okay, John the Baptist had been saying to Herod, it is not lawful for you to take your brother's wife. So John had actually been saying something truthful and very wise. But get this, so Herodias nursed a grudge against John and wanted to kill him. So basically what it's telling us is this is what happened. We, I have my um, baby Carrie here. It's been a long time, guys, since I had a baby. <laughs> my youngest baby is 14 years of age and I'm not planning to have any more children, just so you know. But it says here um, in verse 10, Herodias nursed a grudge against John and she wanted to kill him. Um, But she was not able to because Herod feared John and protected him, knowing him to be a righteous and holy man. When Herod heard John, he was greatly puzzled um, because he liked to listen to him. Finally, an opportune time came. Remember what I put up at the beginning? Um, Resentment is a bitter root and at an opportune time it will raise its head. Okay, so the opportune time has come. On his birthday, Herod brought a banquet of high officials and military commanders and leading men to Galilee. When the daughter of Herodias came in and danced, she pleased Herod and the dinner guests. And the king said to the girl, ask me for anything you want and I'll give it to you. And he promised her an oath. Whatever you ask for, I will give it to you, up to half my kingdom. So get this. Now, the daughter goes out and she went out from her mother. She went out and said to her mother, what shall I ask for? So he's just offered her half the kingdom. So you can reach the city. You can change the world. What is it you want? She goes and asks her mother, what should I ask for? And the mother says this, ask for the head of John the Baptist, she answered. And the girl hurried back to the king at the request, I want you to give me the head of John the Baptist on a platter. And then we all know the story. What did they do? They sent an execution team. They cut off his head and they brought it on a platter. So now the mother The mother, Herodias, what did she do? She nursed a grudge. She carried it around with her. She took it to the shopping mall. She took it into the Zara shop and bought herself a top, put it over her grudge, bought herself a new pair of jeans, took them out, carried a grudge, came into church and she sang, in the crushing, in the pressing, you are making new wine. In the crushing, I hate my brother and I wish I wasn't sitting next to him. In the crushing, in the pressing, you are making new wine. Please kill my sister. I hate my leaders. I can't believe they did that. They don't even understand. Because in the crushing, in the pressing, absolutely can't believe that happened to me. And this is what we do. And it's ridiculous, but you're going to remember it (laughs) because we carry sometimes we carry these grudges around with us. And do you know what? We carry it and we, we take it. And what happened to Herodias? She passed it on to the next generation. Don't be deluded, church, that what goes on in the heart, it's just going to affect you. You will pass it on because whatever is in your heart, it always leaks out of you. So be very careful what's happening in there. So how do we remove resentment? I'm going to tell you in three minutes. Are you ready for this? This is how I believe. This is what I had to do to get it out of my heart. And I still have to do it if it creeps in. But this is what I believe. Number one is recognition. 
because you cannot remove something that you do not recognise. So we have to recognise. What name comes to your mind when I talk about this? What is it that's happening in your heart? Recognition always allows you to remove something. In 2 Corinthians chapter 13, it says this, Test yourself and make sure you're solid in the faith. Don't drift along taking everything for granted. Give yourselves regular checkups. Amazing recognition. Number two, if we're going to remove resentment, we've got to ask Jesus to forgive us. And do you know, just as I faced resentment in my heart, I stood there in my room and I said, okay, Lord, I'm, I know I've got resentment in my heart. And I ask you to forgive me. And in 1 John, it actually says this, if you confess your sin, He's faithful and He's just to forgive you and cleanse you of everything that's going on. So I stood there and I asked the Lord to forgive me and I asked the Lord to remove it out of my heart. Recognition and then ask God to forgive you. The third way I believe you remove resentment is you let go of whatever you're resentful of. You let it go. And I have a slide about forgiveness and unforgiveness. Can I show you this? Sometimes we mix it up and we're not sure exactly what it means, but forgiveness is not simply forgetting. Sometimes you can't forget. Sometimes God helps you forget. But sometimes you can't. Forgiveness is not a once-off event. Forgiveness is not based on a feeling earned. Forgiveness is not pretending. Forgiveness is not surrendering the truth. It's not like wiping a flash drive. It's not allowing yourself to be controlled. It's not surrendering your boundaries. That is not forgiveness. But forgiveness is this. Forgiveness is exercising God's strength to love and to move on. Forgiveness is not seeing the offender in debt to you anymore because you have someone who's actually covered every one of your debts. So nobody owes you anything. Forgiveness is giving up, defending yourself. There's nothing to defend anymore. And forgiveness is moving ahead with your life. Recognition, ask Him to forgive you. Recognition, ask God to forgive you. Let go of whatever's there and then pray for the person. It says in Luke, this is the hardest one to pray for those that you're resentful towards. It says in Luke, to you who are ready for the truth, I say this love your enemies. Love your enemies. Let them bring out the best in you, not the worst. When someone gives you a hard time, respond with the energies of prayer. (laughs) Amazing. Respond with the energies of prayer. Pray for the person. And then it says, stay in the Word and in worship. And number six, confess to somebody. So if you're going to overcome resentment, recognize it. Ask Jesus to forgive you. Let go of what you're resentful of. Pray for the person. Stay in the Word and worship and confess and talk to someone. If you believe it, say amen. Amen. Can you stand to your feet, church? I'm going to give you one little piece of homework. Who likes homework? You love it. I know you love homework in Dallas. It's just what you do. This is your homework this week. You've got to go home. You've got to do this today, tomorrow. You're going to do this. You're going to, number one, think it through. Do I want to commit to something that is so destructive? You've got to think it through. Then you've got to do this. You've got to write it down. If you're resentful towards someone, write it down. Because sometimes when you write it down, you realize, hang on, this is actually ridiculous. I don't need to hang on to this. And then what you got to do, you got to rip it up. 
You've got to put it in the bin. And then what you've got to do, you've got to work it out. You've got to literally go to the gym and you've got to get a punching bag and you've got to work it out. Because they do say, it's proven, if you work out, you're much more able to overcome something than those that don't work out. So you're going to work it out. Then you're going to talk it out with someone you know and trust. And then you're going to give it up and you're going to press into everything that Jesus has for you. Everyone who believes it shouts, Amen. Amen. Can I pray for you? Can I pray for you for one moment? Would you do me a huge favour? I want to ask you this one, one, this one question. Have you ever opened your heart to the Lord Jesus Christ? Because I would love to pray for people like that. If you say, Lucinda, I've come into church today, but if I'm honest, you come to a safe place. But if I'm honest, I don't know the Lord Jesus. But I feel like today is my day and I want to open up my heart And I want to ask Jesus to um, come into my life because the best way to forgive is to understand that you're forgiven. And maybe you're here and you say, man, I really want to do that. I believe today is my day. Or maybe you're here today and if you're honest, at one point you were following the Lord. But if you're honest, you've lost your way and you've wandered off and you're no longer, no longer doing life with the Lord Jesus. But you say, today is my day. I want to come back into a true and real relationship with Jesus. I would love the honour of praying for people like that. So could you do me a huge favour and just close your eyes across the floor and in the balcony. And if you say, Lucinda, that's me, I would love today to open up my heart to Jesus or I would love to come back into a true and real relationship with Jesus. Could you do me the huge favour of just lifting up your hand wherever you're standing? That's it. I'm going to acknowledge it. Beautiful. Keep it lifted. Shoot it right up. Beautiful. Here and here and here and here and down the front. Well done. And up the back there and over there and over on my on my left. That's amazing. And in the balcony. Come on. There's so many hands. Can, can we do something, church? Can we give everybody who lifted up their hand, just give them a huge ovation. Amazing. Amazing. Worth my trip to Dallas just for you guys. So this is what we're going to do. If you lifted up your hand, we're going to say a prayer. This is not a prayer to me. This is a prayer to Jesus. Maybe the simplest but most profound prayer you'll ever pray. So um, let's close our eyes and let's say this together. Dear Lord Jesus, today is my day. I open up my heart big and wide and I ask you to come in. Forgive me. Forgive me of the past. I want to be a follower of Jesus. Wash me clean today. Let this be the beginning of a whole new adventure of serving Jesus. I ask you to be my Lord, be my Saviour and be my best friend now and always. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Come on, give them another hand. May I, can I pray for one more group in my 30 seconds? I've got 30 seconds, so you've got to respond. (laughs) If you know, if I spoke today and you know there was a name or someone that you're like, man, I've got to let that go. I've got to let it go. This is my day. I've got to get it out of my heart. It's not going to affect me anymore. I really believe that this is going to be significant if you lift up your hand and respond because I believe God's going to empower you in a whole new way um, to move forward. So if you know there was someone or something much like me, would you shoot your hand up because I'm going to pray for us. Amen. Look at, look at how many of us. Okay, now this is, going to, this is going to mean freedom. 
This is going to be freedom. You're going to walk forward differently to how you came in. You're going to walk out of here and you're going to be like, man, this is good news today. Father, you see us. You see every hand. You see every heart. Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit would pour your strength, pour your power, pour your ability, Father, into us, Father. And Lord, I pray that your love would far exceed anything that's hanging on to us. And Father, we would lay it at your feet today. And Lord, we choose to forgive. We choose to let go. We choose to walk forward into everything you have for us. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your love. And I pray, Father, that this church and these hearts will never be the same again because they've let it go and they've done business with you, Father. And Lord, we're gonna, we're gonna tomorrow, we're gonna write it down. We're gonna think it through. We're gonna rip it up. We're gonna work it out. We're gonna talk it out. And Lord, we're gonna press into your future. In Jesus' name, and a faithful church said, Amen. We love you. We hope you enjoyed today's podcast, church. If you gave your life to Jesus today, we'd love to know you, meet you, and hear your story. So be sure to email your information to info at shorelinecity.church so we can get you the tools you need to grow in Christ and impact this world. Love you, church.